When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So here's the rundown on this episode. First up is a call taped in December where Casey and I get into every aspect of his recent dealings with Madonna in Mirway. You may have seen some stuff about this in the news lately while we get into every little detail. After that is the complete set that Casey did at Violet's show at the Bataclan in September, and then we close with a chat I taped backstage at the Bataclan before that show. And a small technical note on that segment, we started the backstage taping kind of off the cuff, so the first 10 minutes were captured on my phone as I was setting up my gear. But you can hear what we're saying. It's a little strange because there's some rumbling in the background, but hey, what are you going to do? That's the magic of France, right? Before we plunge into all these fabulous things, it's time to tell you about patreon.com slash craigandfriends. That's right, patreon.com slash craigandfriends. Hustle on over there now, sign up, and slide into the thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club. Because when you're a member of Hot Dog Club, you get full-length exclusive episodes, listener questions episodes, also full-length, and more than full-length movie club episodes. The hot new Heather's Movie Club is now up with Peaches Christ and Cherry Torn joining me for two hours of deep dive discussion about all things Heather's. And then last month saw the release of the 90-minute episode with Alaska all about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Coming up very soon, two hot movie clubs with Willem, one for Casino and one for A Star is Born. And there's so very much more. So head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, support this show, and flood your ears with entertainment. A Russian ballerina stopping on a bureaucrat. A perky suburban housewife who just got into scats. It's whimsically volatile. I have bodyguards now. Presidential candidate sometimes needs that. Exactly. I'm in Berlin working on new music. Yeah, so give me a rundown of what's been going on with the new music. Uh, music is going really good. I came to Berlin for four days in October to work on one song. Um, a friend of mine named Mr. Stipe was in town, so he did some light consulting. Uh-huh. And I wrote uh, the presidential theme song, Spooner 2020. It went really good. I met an engineer here that I kind of, I fell in love with an engineer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't, I shouldn't call him an engineer, but that's what he does for me. But he's a producer. His name's Pierre Voigt. Mm-hmm. He does, hip, he does hip hop. Okay. I've never worked with a hip hop producer, but it's really good for me because I do so much spoken and more performance driven singing yeah that he has all these amazing tricks to make spoken stuff more exciting so i kind of missed my flight and then (laughs) rented a room and kept working with pierre julian stetter showed up yeah and julian's a techno producer Mm -hmm. and so he sent me a track to record for his record and then we ended up writing a really good pop song and then I broke up with my musical partner, Fisher. Right. And then a lot of people started sending me material. Oh. So all of a sudden, the record kind of like, the new album like exploded uh, in the month of November. And now I have nine songs. I'm going to, you know, keep writing. Sure. Because I'm not, because it just keeps getting better. Great. And it seems like you're really in the flow right now. 
Yes, it's going very good. I've never been more productive and I've never written better or sang better. It's interesting. Sometimes, you know, the dissolution of a partnership leads to a whole new forest of opportunity. Well, there's been a lot of drama, so I think it helped fuel the um, uh, the material. Sure. I imagine you're getting a lot of inspiration out of the, some of the news items that we've been seeing lately about your work on the song Gone Control found on Madonna's Madame X album. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Just pernicious rumors <laughs> that we're spreading now via the podcast. So I'm glad to have your statement on it. <laughs> fake news. Totally fake news. <laughs> no, I know. It's been difficult and weird and intense and a real education for me dealing with someone on that level. Sure. But, you know, basically it was it's been probably one of the most painful artistic experiences i've gone through because a i you know love madonna she's basically like a mother to me on a certain level because she raised me Uh to be glamorous a glamorous faggot and then mirway i admired and worked with in 2005 so they're people that you know i have a lot of respect and love for and wanted to and actually you know worked with sure so it was a real violation for me on a lot of levels and i think the hardest part was just that you know mirway and i collaborated on this song together in 2017 i was mm-hmm. very excited about it i connected to it personally because I have a very kind of strange history with guns in mm-hmm. my family i'm from the south when I was a kid, I um, wanted a gun. I wanted my own gun because all my friends had guns. My father, very smartly, did not allow me to have my own shotgun when I was nine years old. Yeah, that's a good choice, I think, at nine. Which sort of in the context of that uh, social system emasculated me. Oh, really? And made me, yeah, it made me feel like, you know, not a man. Did other kids in the neighborhood, for instance, have guns at that age? Of course. Everybody has shotguns. Wow. Everybody had their own shotgun. I was the only kid in the neighborhood that didn't have my own gun. So anyway, you know, I had told these stories to Mirway, and they kind of fueled the, the performance. And then later, you know, there's another crazy story where it kind of it flipped. And then when I was in, in college, my grandfather wanted to bestow the family shotgun to me mm-hmm. and i i turned it down which was a scandal so you know i had been given the sort of like patriarchal gun right to inherit his legacy and i denied you know i denied the gift right so i so all these things were big ideas mirway and i had talked about making a film about it a documentary a mm-hmm. music video blah, blah blah so they were i was very invested in the writing and i felt that we were on to like a really great idea and then basically we lost touch and he got busy and then he told me he was working with madonna and i said i would love to work on the record and then i never heard from him and then the next time i heard the song it was uh, New York City Gay Pride, the day after the Madonna album release, I was walking down 8th Avenue, mm-hmm. going to a doctor's appointment, headed to the ACE, and her album popped up on Spotify. I had heard good things about God Control. And so I was like, oh, let's check it out. And I played the first song, and it was literally the thing that I had worked on. Oh, and yeah. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Like, what, you know, really, like, really this thing that I worked on and it felt invested in 
was used and with very little changes and without any kind of like there was no outreach there was no like hey casey thank you for your contribution right no and you know i know that like madonna says mirway didn't tell her mirway says that you know he told her but the fact of the matter is she heard it she was influenced by my performance right. he told her they just forgot sure so the forgetting is such a um the forgetting to just call me yeah is is pretty hurtful and so you know basically i went to management and legal and everyone just told me like you can't fight her you can't win you can't there's nothing you can do what did they say that it was too expensive that you'd be held up in court lawyers said you need 50k you can't you can't management said you have to hire a musicologist to prove it i mean everyone was just like give up give up give up which was like to be new york city world pride faggot new york city yeah you know sure and then Madonna release, then like to be taken advantage of, to be ignored, then to be diminished, then to be told by all these corporate people that basically there is no recourse and that somehow this theft is justifiable just because it's the big entity. And there's it was just morally corrupt on such a fundamental level that I couldn't even you know it was very difficult what were the days after that incident or rather when you heard that kind of distressing news from the lawyers like what was your mood state and like how were you functioning well you know i am pretty good at like you know getting through it and so i had a pretty good pride but it wasn't really the celebration i had imagined yeah and i decided to just write a letter to mere way personally and directly i decided to just not be angry and just assume he was super busy and assume that we would come to a resolution that would sure. be fair yeah so i just sent an email and i was like hey congratulations great work blah blah blah. but you know i'm pretty sure that my work is included and so i would love to hear your demo you know before my demo just to make sure i'm not imagining anything right and he didn't respond to that email you know, it was also really tough because I did not book any performances during Pride. And I just released, you know, the the gayest <laughs> record in history. Sure. And I'm from New York and I'm not booking a Pride show. I would say the one glowing, beautiful beam of magical gay light that shone down on me was Grace Jones's performance mm -hmm. during New York Pride. Yeah. And so to see her... She was really, you know, one of my big icons growing up also. So to see her and see her, you know, aging beautifully and powerfully. Yes. It really gave me a lot. That gave me strength, mm -hmm. honestly. Grace Jones, Grace Jones saved my life that, that season. I can see a position for her in the cabinet in your presidency. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I would <laughs> love for her to run a press conference. Or she would be great. She'd be a great ambassador, you know. You know, I think she'd be better suited to that. And you could have someone else handle the press secretary stuff. Can you hold for just one second? A pizza showing up, and I have to. Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. 
You know, there you go. You never know when someone's going to call during a show, as we know from that clip I sent you. I know. I love when you get a call from the clinic or the piece of delivery. <laughs> exactly right. There's good news or food on the other did end. Did you actually, did you run that clip on the air? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that went out as is. You know what? Thank you. I can't, kids need to hear that. Well, that's lovely. Thank you very much for saying that. Uh, oh, I was happy to share. I, I'm really happy that the call came when it did and that we could have the discussion that we did on the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because there's nothing to be ashamed about. You just make sure that everyone out there, you get tested. Exactly. So you're then waiting to hear back from people and you just keep getting uh, nothing. You just keep getting stonewalled. Yeah. And basically everyone told me there was no recourse. And then I was, you know, I had the demo. I had my demo. I had the lyrics before my writing. So you can see how I restructured the writing and changed the rhythm and Americanized it and blah, 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 blah. And Sure, and just to clarify, so when you got the initial uh, track from Mirway, or Mirway, yeah. rather, do you have all of that documentation? You have the original that he sent you, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. a good thing for ever, anyone out there to uh, keep note of if you're collaborating with people. Keep extensive documentation of what you've done, what was there before, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. It's really smart to, um, you know, have documentation of your contribution and get copies of your work as you go along. Because right. You could end up in a crazy situation like this. Sure. Even with people that you, you know, trust. It's not, you know, it's it's not wrong to, you know, document your work. Exactly. Just like we were talking about, even with testing, it's not wrong to be careful. Yeah, exactly. It's not wrong to be careful. But yeah, so anyway, the summer wore on and I was really, um, I don't know. I mean, it was just sort of like this, just this strange cloud yes yeah, a strange cloud yeah and i told the story to someone and they were like listen i know someone um at this magazine and i think you should send it to them mm-hmm. and so basically um i was like well i mean at this point you know there's no there's what why not and sure so i sent uh the demo and my emails to Mirway to a magazine I had to send it anonymously because I figured I could pop, probably get sued for slander, but I, you know, I felt like the truth should be told. Sure, and your options were very limited. My options were completely limited. There was no other. I had no other choice, basically. Right. And so um, I leaked the demo and the emails to a tabloid, and then they spent about three weeks vetting it to make sure that they couldn't get sued. Mm-hmm. And then once they had vetted it, they reached out to Madonna's office for comments. Yeah. And within 30 minutes, I got an email from Madonna's office. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so they are checking their inbox. Yeah. So I was like, (laughs) okay, this is obviously the only way, you know, these people listen. They don't listen to me sending, you know, nice emails requesting your attention and, you know whatever. So then at that point, negotiations started with legal about a week later. The terms are really not great. Mm -hmm. I mean, initially I thought they were, I was very excited because they were like, what do you want? And I said, well, I feel like I should get some sort of like cat, you know, some sort of money up front as like a advance or, you know, damages and publishing on the song for writing and credit. Because at this point as well, it's been out for a couple months. Yeah, we're like two months in. Yeah. 
it, they kind of pushed back a little bit and they were, you know, th- th- but eventually they basically conceded and they said, they said basically they were like, look, this was, this is a mere weight problem that now is a Madonna problem and we take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. It sounds good at, the, in the, at that time, I'm sure. Yeah. And I 15% publishing on a Madonna song sounded amazing. Absolutely. But they also were very um, kind of diminishing of their own of sales. They were like, listen, just to be on, you know, they were like, just to be clear, it's like Madonna doesn't sell like she used to and da 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 da. Yeah. Will you take the the cash? Can it be an advance against royalties? Which I could have been a dick and just been like, no, I just want money, period. And then royalties are separate. But I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll make it an advance. No big deal. And I even had said like, and maybe we can turn this into a positive thing. Maybe we can release my version. You know, maybe we can turn it into a cool story. You know, none of that was... responded to sure which is a shame really because look where everything's at now and you know you were trying to find a positive um outcome for everything i know and it's stupid because basically we want the same things we're basically fighting the same battles we're on the same team right so it's stupid but this is you know this is kind of like every step of the way i've kind of been pushed to where i have no choice and mostly it's like i don't blame the artist it's really these aggressive lawyers and how things break down in these complicated corporate communications. And so I'm sorry. It's like, I'm an artist. I just don't have patience for it. And Mm -hmm. it's like these people, they just, I don't know. I feel like they use like manipulation and harassment and intimidation. Yeah. Intimidation and all these different things. And it's just like, can we just be like direct and clear about what's going on? So anyway, you know, they made an offer and they were like, okay, well, we'll offer you um, $10,000 against royalties that don't exist. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so you're offering me $10,000 against 15% of nothing. Right. Right. Great. And I w- and nobody and I was like this seems really low. It does seem very low. It seems low. This seems a little low to me yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. 10k <laughs> seems low to have your work stolen, ignored, and then forced to leak your material to a tabloid to get someone to return your emails and I get $10,000. It does seem low now for context. What would you say uh, if one of your songs was licensed for use in a film or a commercial or something? What would be the ballpark figure that you would net from that? I mean, it depends. I think the market has changed and definitely like licensing is where the money is. But, you know, I don't know. It's like if you do like beauty campaigns, that's where the real money is. Uh And we had negotiated that the song could be licensed and that I wouldn't impede any of the licensing, that they would have full approval over any license. Sure. I wouldn't. But this is not the kind of song that's going to get licensed for a lipstick commercial. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it is the kind of song that would open the shows on the Madame X tour. Which was interesting because they downplayed the importance of the song. And then as negotiations went on, you know, it was revealed that the show opens with the writing that I worked on. Right. And that really started to get under my skin because as we were negotiating, basically all you know, fall, everyone's been calling me and been like, oh my God, I can't believe it. She's opening with your song. She's opening with the thing that you worked on, blah, blah, blah. 
And then the thing that was really annoying is that I was really surprised these lawyers, when they when the number came back 10K, I was like, that seems low to me. I was like, what would be, you know, like the industry standard if we were to go to court and I were to sue? Right. What would be like a number for settlement? Because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I feel like these numbers are like emotional. They're not they're not tangible. Sure. So like, why don't we go to like legal, let's actually find out what the number would be. If I sued, I had a lawyer and he was like, well, I'm not a litigator. You need to get a litigator. So then I secured a litigator. Then the litigator was like, well, because it was recorded in France, it falls under French copyright law. So we have to get a French litigator. Yeah. So I was like, okay, then everybody went on vacation to Corsica for three weeks in August and I couldn't get anyone to do any work. And then finally everyone came back in September and we found out from the French litigator that basically because the material was used without my consent, Mm -hmm. um, that uh, I could enjoin the sale of the song, which means that I can file an injunction and I can halt all sales of the song. It also revealed that because of the breach, I was legally entitled to 100% net profits oh, wow. of the song. Which would be considerably more than $10,000. Yes. So Mirway's profits, Madonna's profits, the record label's profits, and the publishing company, company's profits. I could sue for 100% all profits related to the song. Not just the sale of the song on sites, but the sa- the use of the song in performance or film or TV. Sure. 100% all profits related to that song, period, across the board, are legally mine because of the... Violation. The, the fact that it was used with the, because of the violation and it was used without my knowledge or permission. Right, exactly. So we presented that information back to Madonna's legal team. And their response was, okay, we'll raise the advance against royalties to $25,000. And what was your feeling on that? Disbelief. Disbelief at the low numbers still? Yes. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. I can take up all sales and a percent. It's like, and really the number that I asked for, which is not crazy, was uh, $120,000. Yeah. $20,000 of that goes to legal sure. off the top. And the 100000 there's taxes that have to come out of that, blah, 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 blah. But I literally asked for that because I'm in the process of self-releasing an album. And I was like, how much money do I need just to release my own material? Right. So that's what I based my number off of. And I did not ask for, you know, $2 million. I could have asked for that, but I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Let's just, you know. You were trying to be reasonable. Trying to be somewhat reasonable. Yeah. And also just try to fulfill my needs right. and not be greedy. Sure. We came to a standstill and they wouldn't budge. At a certain point, the thing that really made me, I would say, snap, which I definitely snapped, yeah. was um, there was a clause in the contract that said once I signed the contract that I could never disclose the terms and I could never tell the story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, so you want to give me $10,000 and censure me right. to never tell the story of this abuse. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm sorry, but the truth is way more valuable than $10,000. I need the money, but I don't need the money that badly. And sure. I will figure it out. And I can find $10,000 somewhere else. But right. no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the truth. Right. Because now at this point, it's just insult on top of insult. Absolutely. And these people are making millions of dollars off of something that I worked on. And it was the lead video from the album. I don't think there's been another video, but that's the big sort of thesis statement. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. It's the thesis. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of criticism. Everyone's like, oh, you changed three words. I'm like, honey, when you write a song, it's not about three words. It's like the structure, the shape, the tone, the character. Right. And I don't think if my performance elevated the work so that it did catch her ear and made her want to use it, which is I'm grateful for. That's awesome. That's a huge compliment. Mm -hmm. I love it. I just wish that it had been under better circumstances. Who doesn't want to have a song on a Madonna album, but you would like it to be handled properly? Yeah, well, I guess I did. I do. But it doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm, you know, interviewing new legal counsel. But honestly, I'm so tired of the whole thing. And I'm in the midst of like, I'm busy. I have other stuff to do. I'm running for damn president. That's right. Releasing an album and making a TV show and directing CGI porn and, and, and. So it's like, I don't have time for all this. So I want to get into all those things. But just to sum up where you're at. At the present moment, you're interviewing new legal counsel. You're going to be looking at new approaches that you can maybe take for some kind of uh, proper settlement. But in the meantime, things are just as they were. But now the story's out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I feel so much better just being able to tell the truth. It's such a relief because it was so torturous. And then if I have to sue, you know, I guess we will go to court and I will sue for 100% net profits related to the song across the board for film tv live performance and musical release which is stupid but i don't want to have to do that but if this is you know if i have to to. yeah if you're left with no other option i mean that seems like the only thing you can do exactly it's whatever it's a silly drama i'm ready to move on well i I hope it all gets cleared up soon and uh, you'll keep us abreast of all the latest developments i feel like the thing i want to make clear is like i don't hate madonna you know i don't hate this is all a problem with the system and the lawyers and so you know it's painful on a lot of levels because this was an artist that i wanted to work with and i admired and raised me and with a producer that i loved so again it's like it's a betrayal that, you know, I'll recover from, but it's um, it's just more than anything, it's just disappointing. Yeah, of you course. Know? Yeah, hurtful and um, a real drag. It's disappointing. It's yeah. like, really, this is what people in power, this is how they handle it? I'm nobody, you know? I mean, I'm not nobody, but it's like, I don't have the money and the resources and the power. And so it feels like it's a weird parallel for like kind of like you know even like the way the banking collapse happens like it's like too big to fail like you can't fight it like give up now because they have too much power and that's not very american that's not that's not the way we do things in terms of how we want to do things or in looking forward to doing things let's talk about your new porn situation what's going on there right so (laughs) exciting yeah very yeah we've been we've been working on this idea i would say since april we're gonna shoot in berlin Mm -hmm. uh in february and who are you shooting for uh it's for the tom of finland foundation it's uh tom of finland's uh 100th birthday this year Mm -hmm. um so we're celebrating tom 
And, you know, I really felt strongly that it was cool to be directing my first porn while I was running my uh, presidential campaign. Well, as you said, the president is sexual. The president is sexual. And, you know, obviously we've had like, you know, Stormy Daniels and, you know, Moscow piss party and all this, <laughs> yeah. you know, amazing, awesome, great sexual stuff that sure. there should be no shame about. Right. So why not like just go ahead and advocate, you know, being sexually liberated and free and sharing your desires and, and still be a leader. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, overall vibe of the porn that you're going to make? Well, we're, we're going through, it's very technical. The, basically, what was interesting is there's five chapters to the porn series. Three are set in the past, one set in the present, and the fifth chapter, the last chapter, is set in the future. Oh. And, and they asked me to direct the future. Oh, that makes sense. Which was really an interesting challenge. And mm -hmm. so I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I kept watching lots and lots of porn to try to figure out what was the kind of like crux of my desire. Sure. And it was exhausting. There was a lot of masturbation. I'm so glad that research period is over. <laughs> yeah, research can be very taxing. That research is taxing and distracting. And I have got like a legal battle going and I'm trying to make a record. Right. And I cannot keep masturbating like this. <laughs> well, listen, thank you for your service. You're welcome. But basically what was really kind of cool to come to, like indulging in that, is I was like, okay, look, like, Sex is sex. Sex is always going to be sex. Sex is eternal. Sex is there's you can't reinvent sex. Mm -hmm. But what they had told me, um, one of the producers at um, men.com, this guy, Jeremy, it was really cool. He was like, Casey, we want you to reinvent sex on camera. Oh, I see. OK. And that phrase haunted me for months. Mm -hmm. I was like, reinvent sex on camera, reinvent sex on camera. So while I was like masturbating, I was like, all right, what's the camera they're using? What's the angle? Why is this working? Does yeah. this work? You know, really, really trying to think cinematically about how we live in this. And I love this new term that um, my friend Alex Galan coined related to the new Peter Berlin book, photosexual. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, what, you know, what is this photosexual era we're in where sex and the camera and the phone and the amateur and intimacy and documenting and sharing. And you know, I really was like going into a rabbit hole thinking about it. And then all of a sudden my mind, it like just clicked in and I just focused on those that like, we want you to in reinvent sex on camera. And then I was like, okay, then I just have to use amazing cameras. Sure. So now I'm in the process of, you know, finding the most interesting cameras, the most interesting camera work, the most, you know, finding ways to kind of push the technology. Sure. And, you know, a good DP never hurts. Okay. <laughs> I know. I love when straight people don't get that and you're on a film set and they're like, well, the DP is. <laughs> and you're like, okay. I'm going to do it on like a motion capture stage. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to do motion capture and play with uh, motion capture and CGI. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it is the future that you're dealing with. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, well, are you going to be in it? Are you going to be in it? Are you going to be in it? And I was like, it's tough. I mean, I want to be in it, but I also know 
you, I can't, it's difficult for me to be on set as a performer and then, you know, outside directing and shaping it. Yeah, so I sure. was really conflict. I was conflicted over that. So now the solution is I'm just going to cast my favorite porn performers, or I don't know, it'll be a mix. I think I'm dealing with the casting now, like a mix of established porn people mm-hmm. and more like the new kind of new amateur generation. Sure. Amateur sounds diminishing though, but the new, I don't know. Upstarts. Yeah. The new upstarts. And then also I'm, you know, I can scan anyone and use their likeness. So I can almost like Frankenstein together. Like (laughs) I love this guy's face. I love this guy's dick. I love this. You know, it's literally like I can Dr. Frankenstein, my favorite sexual being. Right. So, and then I'm also going to, um, have a CGI version of myself so I can just insert myself in the scene. Well, that's a great way to appear and not have to deal with wearing two hats at the same time. Exactly. So I get to make myself like a Tama Finland character in the future doing whatever I want with whoever I want. And then what's cool is I'm going to shoot. I also love the look of when you see like they're shooting avatar yeah and it's like they're on these weird sets like you know climbing over foam and like leotards with dots all over themselves yeah so there's a way that you can apply those motion capture dots without the body suit so i'm gonna have all the performers will have the dots all over them Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna shoot live action simultaneously so there'll be like an amazing you know, live action kind of behind the scenes version. And then there will be the um, CGI version. And then I really like the idea of like clicking back and forth between realities and characters Mm -hmm. and layers. And and I always love glitches and mistakes and problems. So I'm sure we're going to get on set and something's going to go wrong and I'm going to love it. (laughs) And I wrote, I wrote an amazing song for it called daddy. Yes. Oh, that's what that's for. Okay, I remember hearing a clip yeah. of that on your Insta story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Daddy Yes will be the song. And so they'll sort of, it'll also be, there'll be a porn edit that'll be, you know, like the 15-minute edit. And then I'll jump on set and um, I'll do a uh, like a lip sync take. And then we'll do a music video edit also. Oh, and terrific. Be, great producer from Madrid, and, uh, Andrew Armstrong, mm-hmm. did the track. Great. And back to the presidential campaign, we talked about the yeah. theme song. Now, uh, can you send me the finished theme song? You sent me a version of it, but I'd like to play a little extract uh, during the show. Um, it's, I think, you know what? I'll send you a rough mix. I mean, we just ha- whatever. It's whatever. Uh, you guys can hear it. It's a rough mix. It's not mixed yet. I'm waiting to get the mix done. Okay, cool. So um, we'll be playing a little bit of that. That'll be great. And yeah. uh, in terms of your campaign, tell me a little bit about what's been going on lately with that, because I saw that you had some fittings. Yes. My friend Fabio Zambernardi from Prada made me a full custom presidential wardrobe that I'm wearing in the first uh, shoot that we're doing in New York next week. Oh, terrific. And yeah, he made me this amazing gown. And the gown is super cool because it's made out of ballistic nylon mm-hmm. and the crinoline is all like technical to so it's kind of like a men's battle gown weirdly yeah of how it's relating to current affairs without <laughs> anyone did not tell him anything about anything it's in the air then yeah it's in the air and so yeah and so did those looks going to new york to shoot that 
And is there a video shoot planned? Well, the video shoot that we're doing next week, I like to do this thing where everything is sort of multi-purpose. So what we're shooting is um, I'm also making a television show. That's right. Yeah. Um, Tell us about that. <laughs> it, well, it's just documenting the campaign. Sure. And really the big thesis for the campaign that everyone should know is that in the United States, to be on the presidential ballot, you can be a Republican or a Democrat. You have to be nominated to those parties, and then you can get on the presidential ballot. Right. Or you can pay a certain amount of money mm -hmm. and be printed on the ballot. Or you can be a write-in candidate where you just say you're running for president and people can just write your name in. Mm -hmm. Or... There's another really cool thing where you can get your name printed on the ballot for no money if you raise a certain number of signatures state by state. Now, have you been doing that? No, not yet. I'm wait I like to do things at the last minute. So, um with Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to whimsically.robinhood.com. Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. So the point of the television show is to watch me try to raise at the last minute enough signatures to get my name printed on the presidential ballot, because I think it's a way for us to get around the kind of problems of like big money and power sure. controlling, you know, controlling politics. Right. It's very a grassroots use the technology available to you, et cetera. Exactly. And my motto is don't vote for me. <laughs> do that's not a good one. vote for me i don't think that's been used before so i think you got a good one no there. i'm running for president but please do not vote for me this is a new concept in promotion in uh, campaigning no literally i just want to get my name printed on the ballot to me that will be like the most amazing sculpture ever mm -hmm. and then it's a way for me to like um show people that there's another way into politics right. there's another way to penetrate the system, sure. no pun intended. And so um, it's, I, you know, I love my job as an artist. I don't want to do anything else, but I really feel that like this is a cool way to kind of inspire someone else to, you know, next election, please steal from me. Absolutely. Sure. Take, sure. take, take my ideas, take them freely and use them and use it to change the system. Right. So this is sort of a combination art concept piece and protest. Yes. I mean, I was inspired by um, Eileen Miles. Uh -huh. uh, she's, she's a poet and she ran um, against Ross Perot in 92 as a write-in candidate and there's a really beautiful, amazing poem by this woman named Zoe Leonard called I Want a President. Uh -huh. And it was inspired by Eileen's campaign. 
So there's a history of artists running for office. And I just, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it just feels right to me right now. Sure. And in terms of the music that you're going to be releasing, why don't you outline the release plan that you have for the next year? Well, I have to be honest. The plan is a little delayed because I got in a fight with mom. (laughs) Mom um, fights will do that. Mom, mom's slowing me down a little, which is very (laughs) frustrating. But the plan (laughs) is to release, I think I'm going to pull it off. The plan is to release a song a month in 2020. So every month, January, February, March, April, May, there's a, a, a single a month that comes out. So right now I have nine songs. Yeah. Uh, ready, not ready to go. Nine songs written, they're not mixed, but there'll be nine that, yeah, so there'll be nine songs that release, and then at the end of the year, they'll all be bundled, and we'll release it as an album in December of 2020. Perfect for next Christmas, or whatever holiday season people celebrate. Perfect for a year from now, yes. Yes. So, um, what should we be looking for in the next uh, month? When's the first single coming out in January, then? Well, that's today's big question because I'm you know, basically because I've split with Fisher, I'm rebuilding an entire business in the midst of this legal battle as well. So, oh, sure. Yeah. So now it's like new management, new label, new publisher, new, 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 new. And we're like right up against Christmas. So sure. I'm doing a, I'm doing a hard hustle to basically self-release the first single uh, in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the date is, but I think what I'm going to do is just do it through like a label services entity. So I don't deal with a label. Now what's a label services entity, just uh, for those who are unclear on that. If you work with someone that does label services, it means they can just, you don't do physical production and you, you do a digital release. I see. And sure. so I deliver to them the um mastered music and the artwork files Mm -hmm. and they put they get everything up on itunes and spotify and blah 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 they get everything up and out on those outlets because really i don't i really don't need a label for much other than marketing and promotions because i i know how to do all the creative right and i really don't like dealing with uh, corporate, uh, you know, I don't need, I don't need opinions at this point. I know how to like, (laughs) I know how to do film. I know how to do photography. I know how to make music. Sure. So I like to just self-finance that because people will always say like, Oh, you have total creative freedom and blah, 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 blah. And they'll give you money. But the minute somebody gives you money, they feel they have license to share their opinion. Sure. Okay. So I've just learned the best way for me is to self-finance all the creative and then i hand that to someone to market and distribute what are your upcoming plans for the rest of the month you said that you're going to new york next week i'm going to go to new york i'm shooting uh the title sequence for the tv show which is also the first music video and the political first political advertisements oh terrific and what's the name of the tv show spooner 2020 no that that makes sense it's easy yeah and then, um, and then I go visit my family in the South. Lovely. Uh, and we start shooting the first episode. So the first episode is me going to my conservatives, Trump voting Southern family yeah. and convincing them that I should be president. 
So do you know when that will start coming out, the show? No, we're waiting to go. We're waiting to pitch until after we've shot this first film piece. Gotcha, yeah. So it will go. We'll start doing meetings in January, and then I, it'll, I think we'll go to air pretty quick. We, we need to go to air very quickly. You yeah, know? it's a very timely sort of thing, sure. But which I really love because it's going to be happening. Everything's going to be happening in real time. You know, like, right. I'll have political consultants. We'll figure out how many signatures we need. We'll figure out how to like set up systems to gather those signatures. Um, you'll see me working on music. You'll see me, you know, using fashion and media and social media everything is a tool to like communicate this message right so it's a real mix of like art music fashion performance it's just basically all the things i do circulating around this one big um political idea that's great i love the the concept i'm looking forward to seeing all of it and i'm happy that we'll be posting uh, regular updates about your exploits along the way yes 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 ma'am you are my official independent news outlet that's right and i'm proud to be that thank you well thank you it's gonna be i mean it makes me feel i know it's like everyone i get a lot of criticism they're like oh you're a distraction you're a distraction but from other like real candidates sure but we need to not be functioning in a state of fear sure absolutely yeah I left the United States in a state of fear and basically have been hiding in Europe. Yeah. And so if I can make if I can make something that feels optimistic, that feels hopeful, that feels inspiring, that feels like there's some kind of an option for us to like infiltrate or change the system. Yeah. That's that's that can't be a bad thing. And as you said before with your slogan Please don't vote for me. Please do not vote for me. <laughs> I think you're pretty clear on your intention for this. Exactly. Just get me on the ballot, but do not vote for me. And oh, I really love the TV slogan, make democracy democratic again. <laughs> That's a good one. Are you thinking of maybe making some hats with that? Absolutely. Oh, wait. So that would be MD. DM. MDDM. MDDM, man. I'm into MDDM. What are you into? <laughs> oh, I'm really into MDDM, yeah. <laughs> BDSM and MDDM. Yeah, well, I'm more of a light MDDM person, but you know, I do enjoy it and I like all sorts of things. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, listen, it's been great catching up with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to uh, say to the listeners or uh, to put out there in the world at the moment? Just everybody have a great holiday. That's a lovely note to leave uh, on, and uh, I second that. And uh, again, Casey, it's been lovely. And let's kick ass in the new decade. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be 2020, Spooner 2020. Yes, ma'am. The person I'm bringing on is a good, dear friend. We met a few years ago. When we met, I was a fan of his, theirs. We don't want to gender. Um, I was a fan of, I keep spitting, sorry. Honey, it's a sweat dripping off of me. Do you have a Kleenex? Oh, but how fierce would it be if you did? Like a good hanky. Oh, you do? Is it silk? I don't want it. Is it designer? Fuck, fuck it, fuck it. The friend I'm bringing out, I was a fan of his. I grew up to him at a party. We're in New York at a party. My friend Charlie Lemendu's party. He's a French hairdresser, if you know him. Anyways, we go out, I go up to him. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. I, uh, he did a um, remix for Kylie Minogue. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan of hers. And he was like, yeah, okay, great. Like, and then I was like, oh, he doesn't know who I am. 
the audacity. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Okay, that's the last time I fangirl. And then come to find out, she's a fan of mine now. In fact, I keep spitting. It's very passionate. In fact, I uh, booked her to fill time while I change outfits. So please, without further ado, please welcome to the stage, Miss Casey Spooner.
Thank you, Paris. Okay, it is so hot. It's crazy. Why is it so hot? Can you get this off of me? Give it up for Vincent and Jesus. I got to get all this Prada off. Thank you, Fabio. Yeah. Just what? Yeah, just drop it. Yeah, you take that. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm running for the office of President of the United States. I'm ready to take control, and I think Violet would make a great first lady, right? Yeah, keep going. Yeah, 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 get get her off, get her off. Uh, um, So that's a new song called So High. Yeah, 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 the whole coat. Let's take the whole coat off. I'm hot. And now we're going to do um, a song called, yeah, 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 all of it. Get all the whole call. Talk, oh. longer. R- talk longer. Girl, no, we got to go. Get the coat off. Girl, we'll be fine. I got the extra song. We're covering for Violet's Costume Change. Tonight's show is called Costume Change. Okay. I mean, let's just do the song. Yeah, I've got the extra song. All right, kick it. This song's called Have Fun Tonight. I'm in a band called Fisher Spooner. We come together sweetly. Can I get more me in the monitors? We come together sweetly.
Girl, oh my God, I'm a mess. Thank you. Are we, are we ready? What? Keep going, I need some water. Anybody any water? Who's got a cocktail? Violet's late, hello, surprise. No, it's true what Violet told you. She came up to me at a party and she very arrogantly was like, hello, I'm Violet Chachki. And I didn't watch Drag Race, I'm old. And so I didn't know anything about Drag Race. And then we ended up kind of on the same glamour circuit. And I started seeing her around and I was like, damn, that bitch is fierce. I saw her in Vienna, she turned to look. I saw her in New York, she turned to look. And then we ran into each other in Milan and we kind of conquered fashion together, which was really cute. Hang on. I know it doesn't sound like I'm actually singing, but I am. Violet and I are both from Georgia, so I feel like there's some weird thing in the water where it's like all these queens come, RuPaul, Lady Bunny, me, Violet, all the girls, you know, I don't know. All the girls come from Georgia. I don't know why. The fantasy of glamour and escape from the oppression of the patriarchy makes us do amazing things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, can we do the other, uh, this is so, you guys, I'm doing this song, it's totally, uh, I'm like winging this shit right now. Uh, Violet asked me to do this like yesterday. So, thank God somebody loaned me an outfit that got here at 8.15. Um, play, yeah, let's just do the next track. Oh, and make this really dramatic, like Barbra Streisandy. Like less lights, very down light, drama. This is the theme song to our TV show. Cast yourself in the part you wanna play. Live your life like the best movie never made. Cast yourself in the part you wanna play Live your life like the best movie never made You're a star even if they don't know it You're a star even if no one is watching Mythomaniac Mythomaniac Mythomaniac
And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the real star of the night, let it not be confused, Miss Violet Purple Doodad. Now, what would Violet's position be possibly in the cabinet? Would she have some kind of uh, attache uh, position? She's just good for parties. She likes to dress up and get her picture taken. Okay, sure. So that could I be a cultural attache, that's I believe, a, that's right? A, that's enough. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Good. That's plenty. Yeah. But I like the, also the idea of being a single president so that I'm there are multiple partners yes. that serve multiple roles. Certainly. You as know? in life. Yeah. 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 So it's like there can be lots of different kind of companions. Sure. I actually imagine, like, I, I know this is how crazy I am, but it's a really in, fun premise is... Um, I was imagining, you know, I've already, in my mind, I've already won. Like, sure. I got well, on the ballot. Yeah, you have to work backwards. I got on the, the ballot. Yes. You know, yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the vice president. Yeah. I'm trying to choose where we are when at the night of the election. Okay, so sure. when we win, where we, and what the speech is. Right. Well, what about location, though? Tell me location. Well, I think it would be New York for sure. Yeah. But I just don't know where in New York. Like, I don't feel like it's like a ritzy hotel. Okay, I want sure. something kind of cooler. Something more downtown. Yeah, and maybe, or maybe it would be Brooklyn, and maybe it would be like, you know, one of the great new, like, big warehouse clubs. Like in Queens? Uh, no, it would be... Where were they? I'm not it would be them. like Elsewhere, or oh, okay. Avant Gardner, or, okay. you know, some one of those really cool warehouse spaces. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, and then it would be like an after party okay. that would go all night. Now, what about the viewing? You know, when you're watching the results come in, what I would guess we would do that there. I don't know. I'm not okay. sure. But then I imagine, like, now I've already jumped to the inauguration, so whatever. We'll find someplace cool in Brooklyn. Yeah, that'll take party. care of itself, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess that's a problem for Brooklyn. That might be the after, so we have to do something in Manhattan. Okay, sure. Well, so you need to... Because I'm going to need to... I feel like I'm going to need a cheeseburger. I don't know why. <laughs> so I feel like I need to be near the food. Okay. <laughs> yeah, is Brooklyn not the place to be? I don't know. I don't want to deal with the catering. It's uh, like, uh, I just want, like, a nice restaurant. Yeah. Pop know? into, what, what is Julius? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That would be amazing. How good would that that would be that's right. exactly where I want to be as Julius is perfect exactly. okay yeah. and good, then, good call thank gonna you. be crowded though that's well big you know, well true but you know if it's a special event which it is yeah we could block the street make a street party that's right and okay Julius, well and maybe they would, somehow we tied the stone wall we could do it all over there a whole thing yeah a block party a block party yes yes cold though because it's well yeah but the fever November. you know you got the fever of the yeah, excitement yeah. that okay. carries people through a lot true. of things all right. yeah. More, and also nice coats you're right. There's going to be a lot of. Good. I hate yeah. coat check, though. Well, okay. You know, well, these are these are small things I know. that have to get worked I mean, out. But again, I appreciate your attention to detail because yeah. that's what we need in the press. I'm really bad about not going out if I don't if I have to deal with coat check. Okay, sure. Uh, especially in New York in the winter, it's a nightmare. Well, what about a cloak person for? this? I mean, I'll be I'll be fine, but I'm you know whatever. But You're anyway, we get the to the yeah, inauguration. Okay. What yeah. I'm imagining. Well, also I'm imagining like okay, I don't have like one partner on stage, so I started to imagine like. Who's on stage with me? Yeah, like, who okay. shares the moment? Sure. Like, who's my family? Okay, right. And so then it's really cool because it's like chosen family. That's right. So I know that it's it'll be Violet, it'll yes. be Kate Hardy, it'll be Manesh, it'll be um, Victor Jeffries, uh-huh. um, it'll be maybe uh, it'll be Antoine, mm-hmm. it'll be David D'Onofrio. You know, I think I'm gonna have. I'm trying to think who else in my extended family. I mean. My roommate Michael, if he wants to come to New York from uh-huh. Paris, but I think it'll be like a dozen people that sure. are like my chosen family yeah. that'll surround me. Yeah, I think, and it's a good, amazing mix of people too. Sure. You know, it's sure. like 
every color, every gender. Every... And where's everyone from? So some people listening might not a be lot familiar. of New York, a lot of New York, yeah. but some are, um, you know, Espelios would definitely come from Berlin. And what does Espelios do? He was creative director of mine that I worked with for years, uh-huh. and like a close friend. Sure. I don't know. It'd be tough because just for like, those not you know not yeah, familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah. every name. You know? Yeah. No, they're just like all my friends that I work with who have played a part in uh, the development yes. of the concept yeah. and your life. Yes. 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 Certainly. Exactly. Yeah. Like creative partners and lovers and sure. Blah blah blah. And people will get to know them more as the process goes along. Exactly. It's a great TV show. It, it is. It is. Yeah, little <laughs> interviews here and there. Sure. Uh-huh. sure. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll talk to them. Maybe oh we'll my God, that would be amazing. That would be great. I'd yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'd like to be the official news oh, channel. Oh yeah, that's a, oh done. Uh, fantastic. Perfect. Because I'm so I don't have time to organize that. No, no, no. I'm happy. All right. So, okay. Yeah, done. Okay, You're hired. <laughs> I don't have any money. <laughs> it's perfect for a podcast. But also, no I'm trying to run the cheapest campaign in history to prove that you can win without money. Right. Exactly. And that anyone. That anyone can do it because yeah. it's about people. Right. And it's about determination, right? And vision. About determination, vision, and people. That's Really right. about people, people, yeah. people, people, and not about money. Right. So. So that's the key. That's the key. Well, we have people here. We have all the right people. people. And also, and, uh, it's sort of like using the power of culture. Because I think that a lot of people don't have a lot of respect for the arts and creative people. And yet so much of the world is driven by the ideas of the arts and creative sure. people. And so if yeah. we draw upon that power, right. then that's also a testament to just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't have power. That's right. It's, um, it's an empowering. It's an empowering thing. Be. Yeah. So it's really kind of cool. It premise. is. Yes. It is a great premise. And then you use the technology available to mm-hmm. us that's in everyone's pocket, etc. Exactly. Yeah. As we were so doing it's today. totally grassroots. Yeah. I mean, the big thing that I have to do is that I've been trying to pull off a TV show because I think the only way to win is to use all like contemporary technology. Certainly, I think yeah. the the seated president now won because he was a TV star. Yes. So the only way to beat a TV star is to also be Be a a better TV star. Sure, okay. So I've been hustling really hard to pull off a TV show. I just had to fire the production company this week because we did not see eye to eye on the concept. Yeah. Well, it's a setback, but at least you know that you're moving in the right direction because, you know... Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. I'll figure it out. But um, I just have to be on air, you know... As often as possible. Well, I think I, it's okay if I'm shooting, if I'm if I'm on air probably six months before the election's fine. Okay, so you have time. I have time, but I don't have a lot of time. No. It's like I'm under the gun. Okay, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and what's the concept in general for the TV show? Is it just the life of the presidential candidate? Mm, it, well, I had had the idea to do a TV show when Violet and I first connected in the winter of 2018 Uh because we had this chemistry and because we were in this crazy flow of like art and music and fashion and performance and international but also really kind of tough like it's not an easy life no it's not it's pretty brutal and you spend a lot of time alone it's isolating it's isolating and so I think that there is kind of the schism happening in culture where everyone is obsessed with social media and we watch it and we see all these lives and we have all this FOMO and, you know, my life looks incredible, but the reality is it's really tough. And it's tough in ways that people don't even know that I have yet to reveal. Sure. Well, give us a few of them. Just a little taste. 
I mean, just, uh, I mean, when Violet and I and everything was kind of like popping off, I was in the middle of an album release. Sure. Um, I had overspent on the album a great yeah. deal. Uh-huh. What percentage would you say uh, that you overspent? I mean, I was in the hole. I'm still in the hole. A couple hundred thousand. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I was hoping that I would make that money back on touring. Uh-huh. But essentially what happened was my show was classified as too gay. Really? Yes. And so I was not too able gay for what? And when they said too, too gay, gay for did, anything, when they said too gay, was there a bell that rang afterwards? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too gay. I didn't get booked on one gay pride show. You were too gay for gay pride. Too gay for gay pride. Okay, that's outrageous. Well, that's because all the prides are run by straight people. They are. I didn't know that. Yes, and so when so I didn't book one pride, and they literally the booking agents and the promoters and everyone said that our show was too vulgar and that I couldn't have men in chaps. Really? Yeah. That's a, that's insane to me. It's insane. It's insane. So it really reveals the inherent like homophobia, homophobia and patriarchy mm-hmm. that we're dealing with. And also, though, uh, I don't know what the word is for prudishness, but I guess prudishness. Repression. Repression. Thank you. So. I set myself up for a gigantic failure, uh-huh. even though the work was good. I wasn't doing anything that was more radical than how women are presented. Sure. No, certainly not. You if know, anything, I, a little less Nicki so. Minaj, Absolutely less than yes. Nicki Minaj and Tayana Taylor and yeah. Megan Thee Stallion and sure. Cardi B and how all the women are presented. J-Lo. Uh-huh. Right. So the fact that, you know... Chaps would be uh, almost a modest. No big deal. Thing for it. So yeah. basically, I set myself up for like a financial disaster, even though it was a total creative success. So in the midst of all of that, and by the that way, glamour I, I, and yeah. excitement, where I'm showing up to shows and I'm you reemerging know, too after a bit of time away yes, from the spotlight, exactly, and, and with an album that's very um, definitive about its subject matter, exactly. Yeah. So in the midst of all that, I was experiencing great, great, great poverty. Sure. Like beyond, like you can't even imagine. So I was experiencing, you know, great, great poverty. And And it's stressful too, because when you're experiencing poverty like that, you can't really talk to people about it. Well, I also knew my family doesn't have money. And so I couldn't go to them because it would, and I couldn't be honest with them because I knew it would cause them too much anxiety. So I had to kind of like, uh, this is what I mean about you can't talk about it. I can't be, yeah honest about it there were only certain people that knew that worked really closely with me that were like my agents and my managers which i know it was very stressful for them also because they're trying to like run a business and you've got talent that i mean i uh you know my bank account was overdrawn Mm -hmm. uh for so long that they dissolved my bank account they dissolved now how does that happen when it's overdrawn for so long how it was overdrawn for 60 days Oh, I see. And how much, roughly, would you say it was overdrawn? If you uh, like seven hundred dollars, seven hundred and sixty-eight dollars. So that's enough to have that happen. Yeah. So they uh, they cl- they canceled my bank account, and did uh, they send it to collections? Uh, maybe I don't know. Well, no, I eventually paid it. Sure. The crazy thing was is that, um, so that happened, and yeah. then also because I didn't have a bank account, then I couldn't pay my phone bill, so I didn't have phone service. Oh, right. For. Uh, I think five or six months. Which is very, very crippling. So I only lived on Wi-Fi. 
Wow, okay. So I survived no bank account and no phone service through January, February, March, April. And this is and part the of album the, was releasing yeah. in February and I was traveling everywhere all the time. Oh my goodness. So I it was kind of amazing though because the, my team was incredible and yeah. basically I was just honest with them about it and yeah. I was like this is where I'm at and I ha- I can't be I can't I can have no shame about it. Right, no you, you know? had to be very upfront. I had to be past, yeah. get sure. past it. So when we would organize and coordinate things, they just knew that like the minute I left the house, I was off Wi-Fi, I was unavailable. Yes. There had to be a car to pick me up to take me to the airport. There had to be a car and a driver to pick me up at the other side. Yeah, and now where was the money coming from to pay for this? Was this the money that you'd already It would paid? be like if someone booked me to go to a fashion show okay, and sure. they were handling it. So, you know, agents and managers would be like, hey, can you take this train to yeah. the airport? And I'd be like, literally cannot. <laughs> Like cannot. And the one thing, the crazy thing that happened was I started fashion started to take me on. Yeah, sure. And it happened really right as I was probably at my weakest and literally surviving on fumes. Mm -hmm. And I was basically house sofa surfing in Paris. And was this after you got evicted? Uh, the yes, oh my god, yes. The eviction happened, and then I moved into a new apartment in Greenpoint, and then I went to, you know, we got through the release of uh, the album. I got all the video shot and all the kind of creative done. Sure. And then I went to um, Brazil to do a couple shows and to shoot another music video. Was all the money laid out for the album and video coming from you or was it a joint It was coming fund? from Warren and I and our business yes. and a little bit of the label. Okay. And so we got an advance, but we were... It was stalled for years trying to get the album out and we couldn't find a label to release. And um, it was kind of a blessing because the album got stalled and I wanted the album to release in the summer of 2016. I was basically ready to go in 2015. Sure, right. right. Um, and then it slid to 2017. And then, uh, you know, we were having problems with the release plan we made it we signed with a label in february 2017 we made the schedule and i oversee all the creative so film photography blah 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 everything and so i had lots of that stuff prepped and ready to go um but we kept having trouble where around the first single which everyone couldn't make up their mind the label management and the uh, us, the artists, yeah. we were all in conflict about. They kept changing their mind about what the single should be, and um, it was really difficult because it's a lot of work for me with limited budget yeah, to pull sure. off like spectacular, you know, uh, production value for film and photography. And also, you're dealing with the stress of personal uh, poverty, oh, all that, and my life is falling apart at the same time. So, right, you um, a full plate, yeah. So. <laughs> Basically, the big drama was I leaked the first single um, because I was working with Boots. We were mixing. Yeah. And we had... The great thing was because the album got delayed, it ended up coming out after... The election. The election. Right. I don't like to say that person's name. No, we don't need to. So what I like is that the album became more relevant when it did come out. So in a way, it was a blessing that it got postponed. But what happened that was difficult is that I was with Boots. We were going over mixes. He got involved a year after the album was done. We did one extra song, which was Have Fun Tonight. Right. Which you saw tonight. Yeah. And um, 
it was a breakthrough, amazing uh, song yeah. to make. And amazing to work with him. And then because we worked with Boots, he works with Stuart White, who is Beyonce and Jay-Z's mixer. Mm-hmm. And because Beyonce was pregnant that spring, Boots was like, Casey, we have access to Stuart. We should have him mix as many songs as possible. Sure, okay. So basically, I spent all my money on getting those mixes because I knew he did one song. He did Have Fun Tonight, and the entire rest of the record sounded like shit. Oh. And so I had to yeah. start over and remix as many songs as I could, basically, until I ran out of money. Yeah. And then I was like, well, whatever. We'll, it'll release, and then we'll start touring and it'll be playing fine, stuff. And it'll, I'll make the money back, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Because um, you've done that before, right? Yeah, you just, it happens. I've done that where it's like, I, before the Ministry of Sound deal, it was the same thing. I had $3 in the bank. They sent a limo. I took the Concord, you know, blah, blah, blah. I yeah. signed a deal. And then you're... But as you outlined in the previous episode that we did. Yeah. You, oh, I it, can't remember what I said no, last time. No, no, no. Time. I was going to say, it, it's, it, it's um, you know, these events repeating themselves uh, in a way. I know. It's just crazy, like feast or famine thing. Right. Now, <clears throat> in that, did you ever feel like, how the fuck did I get into this position again? Because Yes, yeah, of course. Sure. I was like, how, <clears throat> how could I possibly have let myself, you know, drift into this situation again? Right. Because once you've been really poor, I mean, I've been there, you know, like yeah, if yeah. you even come close, if yeah. you can smell it again, yeah. you, you, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I mean, my, my, my strength and my weakness is that I believe I have an undying faith Mm -hmm. and I believe in great ideas. Totally. And so, you know, unfortunately this was a great idea, but what it revealed is the patriarchy and the inherent homophobia in the entertainment industry. So to get back to that. So that knowledge is power. Sure. So even though I don't have the money, now I have knowledge that no one else. That's true. The peek behind the curtain. That Now I know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know what I'm dealing with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, part of solving the problem is just knowing the problem. Right. So anyway, I leaked the single, the first single, Have Fun Tonight, in the summer of uh, 2017. And, you know, we had been having all these, like, weird scheduling problems where they kept springing deadlines on me and saying, like, we need the record cover in two days or we need the video. And, and no one was giving me, like, a clear schedule. Okay, and sure. I was like, you guys, I was like, I just need the budget and the schedule and I can hit those marks. Yeah. But I'm not getting that information. I'm getting deadlines sprung on me the last minute. And then they started postponing the release. Uh-huh. And that made me crazy because <laughs> I was desperate to yeah. start making money. Absolutely. And yeah. they started sliding the release back from 2017 to 2018. Right. And that's when I went ballistic. Right, because you're dead broke and dead broke, you have nothing coming in. Nothing. And you can see for a year you and won't I'm have like anything coming in. And I'm like literally yeah. uh, barely surviving. Right. Not even eating, you know. Really. Like can't leave the house. Can't sure. jumping subway turnstiles. Like <laughs> really like destitute. Were there at least any sort of galas and things that you could cage some food off of? Absolutely. <laughs> I know how to, I love to live off of hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> I hate to cook. So anyway, I leaked the single and the single leak was incredible because it revealed also the truth, which was that... Um, the reaction was really interesting. I had a manager. The manager had a meltdown. He felt betrayed. Mm. Um, I talked to my publicist that night. The publicist loved it, thought it was brilliant. Uh-huh. And then I was most nervous to talk to the president of the record label because basically I was in breach of contract and they could ask for their money back. Which would be a lot of Which money. would be a problem. Yeah, big problem. And so anyway, the president of the label was like, listen, 
a we it was a pitchfork leak and yeah. he was like he was like casey in my career i've only had you know like two or three pitchfork you know premieres like this yeah it's incredible he was like the video is fantastic the song is amazing because basically we made a music video released the song and did all the artwork yeah. without anyone knowing about it right. and just dropped it yeah and it had a massive and the impact, publicist yeah. was like wow I was really surprised when it happened because your manager keeps saying that you don't have your shit together really? and you're not delivering the creative on time now that must have been quite and jarring. I was like excuse me I yeah. was like I'm the bitch over here like pulling off a fucking miracle and nobody's giving me a real fucking schedule so yeah. fuck that and then on top of it you got this guy running you down to people oh yeah well that too and then so then the president of the label says like a great song great choice great video great work great everything but the problem is is that we don't have any of the contracts on any of the side artists any of the other singers any of the other writers any other producers we have zero paperwork on the oh, album no. so we cannot release anything now let me ask wouldn't that be the job of the manager to take hello care of that? okay and right. we signed the contract in february we're in June. They yeah. hadn't served any other people participating on the album with not one deal memo. Oh, dear. So basically, it revealed my manager was not doing his job. Yeah, quite. And lying to me. Oh, yeah. And blaming me. And still taking money from you. I mean, there was no money to get. Okay, but still. But still. But then when I found that out, bitch. You want to watch some... I mean, I went so motherfucking ballistic with like a handful of change and a hard drive. I went fucking crazy. Oh, we also had a major museum exhibition opening in Vienna. And the museum exhibition plus the museum catalog was yeah. time to come out as the same time as the first single. Okay. So it's like song, music video, museum exhibition, and catalog were all time to come at the same time. Yeah. So to pull off a museum show and an album release at the same time is. is a real challenge yeah and this bitch fucked up my scheduling right and so i had to you know i leaked the single and then i went to vienna to open the show the show was a total success everything was beautiful and then i just basically took a hard drive and a thumb drive and i started doing club gigs without telling anybody okay no one not even warren fisher no manager no one <laughs> yeah. i just literally just started taking gigs at clubs yeah. and i was like guess what bitch tour started <laughs> i was like the show was happening uh-huh and yeah. then we had you know everyone was really nervous about my mental health at that point mm -hmm. and people were concerned that I was on steroids and uh -huh. had lost it and I felt like I was the most sane most clearest person in the whole camp because let me ask during the time of the uh, extreme poverty and all yeah. of this stuff was there scuttlebutt going around that you heard come back to you about Oh, Casey's lost it, or Casey's being this. Casey's being uh, Michael that Stipe called me as per Warren. I mean, I was really frustrated with Warren because he was not as angry as I was about uh -huh. the situation, and he didn't. I didn't feel like he fully comprehended the depth of the betrayal. Okay, um, he was more mellow about it. He was it, just or? more like trying to be chill and strategic, and I was just angry to the core. Was he trying to maintain some kind of relationship? Yeah, with the manager? he's more diplomatic, and okay. I'm more radical. Uh huh. Um, but he also loves my radicalism. 
And so when we did the leak, he basically was like, I have nothing to do with this. This is all you. You did this, but I will totally help you get this video done yeah. and I will help do everything. But when, you know, when the truth comes out, this is you, not me. Okay, but I so, love it. But yeah. I didn't do it, but I love it. But so, do this, but I'm not doing it. But please do this, but I did not do this. So would this be typical of your relationship with yes. Warren and the working Yeah, he kind practices? of encourages me to be the crazy one. So he enjoys it, but does not want to. Uh, he enjoys it, but he, he enjoys me doing what he he can't do i see okay and I you think. enjoy how he operates uh sometimes okay. except when it's like i feel like we can't no i don't actually uh-huh. i don't like it when it's like i don't like to uh pussyfoot around the problems sure i don't like to be strategic i like to get to the point and okay. i like no bullshit right it's like nothing gets solved by like you know over diplomacy trying to maintain a failing relationship that's true I've learned if the relationship isn't working and you've tried everything you can and if you betray me the betray that's it it's that's done it's over yeah it's over yeah. there is no I cannot look past that no you shouldn't yeah so it's like it's a waste of time it's time cut your losses move on it's done sure so you're back back to you're doing the club gigs so doing the club gigs I'm in Madrid and Michael Stipe calls me somehow I must be on Wi-Fi so I can take a call you know everyone's freaking out because they can't contact me right right which people really lose their minds over these days and my father was a nervous wreck because he knew something was going on I'm like off in the world and you don't want to share with them the financial issues because you don't want you want them to feel okay exactly so it's tough but they've been very patient and I have a working phone now and you know we're we're past that era so I feel like I can talk about it now openly for the first time sure it's a major thing to share but I do think it has given me perspective and will make me a great president because I understand what it means to be poor I understand what it means to be that vulnerable I understand what it means to be that lonely that sad that lost that compromised to have your identity tied up so deeply in your finances and having to separate your humanness from money because you been had it all taken away from you yeah well when michael called what did he say oh so when michael called he was he's he's smooth he's a real smooth operator (laughs) and he was like how are you doing just checking in you know um what's going on and then he kind of roundabout got to he's like just by chance are you on steroids and i was like well a thanks for the compliment no i built this body with like you know chicken and kale and a lot of work so no this is not steroids yeah i'm not unhinged (laughs) and because that was the notion that that was what it was it's i think basically warren went to michael and was like casey has lost it please contact him yeah and see what's going on sure and so you know michael was like we talked and then he was like oh yeah he was like you're fine you're just pissed (laughs) and then i laid out everything that happened yeah he was like damn he was like you have every right to be as angry as you are right so and then from there uh so for then from there we hired an amazing i reluctantly hired a new manager i wasn't going to hire a manager ever again because i've been through so many bad managers i was like i know everyone and i know how to do everything i just need an assistant yeah 
And and why didn't you go with that? Uh, because we had a manager come in uh, and interview with us, this amazing woman named Paula, and she was incredible. And she was tough, and I was just like really honest with her too. I was yeah. just like, Warren was like, please be nice to her. Please don't freak her out. Please relax. <laughs> and I was like, Paula, I'm pissed. I don't want to hire another manager. Yeah. You know, I've been fucked over. I'm not going to be fucked over again. She was really cool. She was totally transparent with me. And we started working and... And she really pulled the ship back together. Okay. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then the release got up back on track. And then we designed the beautiful, beautiful show that we did at Brooklyn Steel in the fall. Yeah. And, you know, all the music videos. And then everything started to roll. And it was gorgeous. Except I had pushed myself to the point of such financial vulnerability. Yeah. That... And mental exhaustion. And mental exhaustion that I had, you know... Um, I, you know, I went through like this crazy transformation, which would, was great, but yeah. And what would you say you transformed into? I mean, it just made me stronger. Yeah. It made my faith more, um, <clears throat> devout, devout in, in what I do and what I believe in and my ideas. And, um, it also taught me that I have got to be, um, more, uh, you know, I can't, it's tough. I can't. Um, I have to think about money and I have to be strategic in a way where I think I was naive. I mean, I guess I was naive about the homoerotic themes that I was sure. pursuing. Yeah, you thought it, it would be I thought celebrated. I thought that it would be uh, uh, embraced and I thought yeah. that it would be an easy success because the songs are great. Michael Stipe is an incredible producer. Right. He has His name has a lot of power. Um, so no, so I, the subject matter, as we talked about last episode, it's not really covered all that much, especially compersion. Exactly. Et yeah. And so now it's like I, you realize why these narratives don't happen is because they don't make money. And so they're and not allowed to make and they're money. not because they're not allowed to make money. So, you know, it's good. But now I have to find a way to be more strategic and basically take care and taking care of myself. Right. And making money so that I avail so that I'm able to keep pursuing ideas well, and also in making work especially as you get older too you need yeah. a certain level of comfort just baseline level that you know that the security of not being evicted not exactly going to your last dime because the mental strain is exactly. the most debilitating thing that there is from that i've gotten i mean you know i'm sort of a lazy buddhist i chant every day mm-hmm. and that has, gives me um, I, I don't know how but it basically gives me perspective and always makes me calm when did you first start doing that i started chanting i think in the fall of 2014 mm-hmm. and so that always kind of gives me um it always saves me some, some balance some, somehow i don't yeah. know how it just it it shifts my perspective where were you at before you started chanting mentally I mean, it was a friend of mine saw me sitting out in front of Oslo coffee shop on Bedford and I had, you know, I was at a very low point and basically homeless and everything was in storage and I couldn't find an apartment and I didn't yeah. know where I was going to live and my album was stalled and I had spent all my money. And yeah. so this is right in that time. Okay. Yeah. It was sort of like in the part period where everything was sort of like languishing and mm-hmm. I couldn't get any momentum. And then, you know, things started like picking up Yeah, and work got better and I found an apartment that was incredible and 
then you know i got rid of a bad boyfriend and wrote an amazing song and then, then it just felt like then that's when i started to take control yeah i took control and that's what uh, the president needs to do is take I t- control. I, yeah i really i literally like took control i was like okay fuck everybody yeah you know now were there people that you shed in your life that you know weren't the boyfriend etc besides the manager yeah. were there other people that sort of you realized were sort of uh dead weight at the time um or, or were no, all those relationships not okay? so much i mean i think if anything the right people came to me and they're all those people that i named sure you now, know uh do you believe in manifestation uh i do i don't know i feel like if i make up my mind and i know if i know exactly what i want well mm-hmm. here's the thing you're not going to get what you want if you don't know what it is that's and true. the more you can be clear about what you want, the more it will probably happen. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen in a way that like, I think when I'm clear about what I want and what I need, it seems like sometimes like it just magically appears. Uh-huh. But, but I think not. what's happening yeah. is that there's small choices yeah. that are underlying everything. And then because I'm making these small choices and I'm making it known in subtle ways what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. then it eventually happens. Now, what do you do about negative thoughts? Because we all get negative thoughts, right? And especially when you're in that very vulnerable position yeah. of being dead broke, having no real timeline with which to apply your yeah. energy. Yeah. You must have fought off a lot of dark negative thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird. When I have a good idea, it gives me a lot of fuel. Okay. And so I would say the only thing that held me back would be hunger. You know, there are just uh, times where I just was like, literally, I just didn't have strength because sure. I was so hungry right. living on like rice and green tea. <laughs> and so yeah. there would just be these moments where it's like, I didn't know if I would have the strength to keep going. But, um, you know, it also kind of made the, the, the successes so much sweeter because mm-hmm. when to go back to when I met Violet and the whole premise of all of this that we're doing right uh which was to make a tv show right first came out of this relationship with violet yes. and now it's kind of become this more political thing about a campaign right the moment when everything turned was um january uh early january of 2018 i someone had given me an apartment in paris i wasn't sure where i was going to live didn't have a bank account didn't have a phone yeah and um no i had a bank account until the mid middle of january because i got booked on a gig to go to a fashion show it was the first time i was paid to go to a fashion show and they were paying for the hotel cars clothes everything everything. yeah i have this amazing agent and so the agent was coordinating and organizing all that i mean i'm so stubborn though that like i was in madrid i was living in this hostel i had eight euros and this stylist reached out to me on instagram and was like hey will you come you know sit front row with this fashion show and it was a very conservative italian suiting brand Uh and i was like i don't know I was like, I've worked so hard to sculpt this image, yeah. to release this album. I'm one month away from release. Am I really going to go and like sit front row at some like conservative suit brand? Uh-huh. Like I'm not. I can't even I, with the even at no that money. low of a level. Yeah, yeah. I would not let go of yeah. the idea that I had to maintain an image. Yeah, sure. 
And I had a social media manager at the time, this really amazing guy. And we were talking and he was like, what's going on? And I was like, you know, I got eight euros. I'm in Madrid. I'm in a hostel. <laughs> yeah. And I got this request to go to the show. Yeah. He, he knows a lot about fashion. And I was like, I don't know if I should go. And he was like, okay, Casey, number one, you need the money. Right. So take the gig. Right. Right. Swallow Because I'm bad about and... thinking about money. Sure. Because I always go with the idea over the money. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, um, two, it's amazing that a conservative brand wants you to come sit front row because you're so fucking flamboyant and queer. Right. So the fact that they, this conservative brand wants you to be associated, it's really cool. Right. So in that that. respect, you should take it. Sure. So anyway, I took the gig. It was negotiated. It was the first time I ever got paid to go to a show. And not the last though. Not the <laughs> But that morning, you know, and I still couldn't really reveal to the people that I worked with how poor I was. Oh, right. Which and is, that's another whole level of bizarreness because your family, that's one thing. You know, you hide certain things from your family yeah. to protect them. And, yeah. But the people you're working with. Yeah. That's a whole nother level no. of crazy. And so, it was so, because you have to be like... They're representing you. You need everything's to, going. You want to be like good. You want to be a good property to well, handle. And also, again, we're talking about another layer of image, yeah. which is another thing that's so shot through in every part of our lives. Yeah, and a lot of times we don't think about that. Yeah. So anyway, that that was, for instance, when the agent was like, "Okay, we have this offer. You know, it'd be easier if you just took the train to the airport. Can you take the train?" And I was like, "No, I can't." And I was house sitting for someone, and basically was like having to scavenge leftover food yeah. and anything from whoever I was house sitting for. Right. And at this point, I couldn't even find any like leftover change in this person's house to like buy a cup of coffee. Right. So the morning that I left for this fashion show. All I had was like water, yeah, nothing to eat, probably no dinner, sure, and um, and no caffeine, nothing. So I'm just like barely scraping myself together. They send a Mercedes. <laughs> Thankfully, there's candy in the car. Oh yeah, and in so those moments, there's nothing. I'm better. taking like fistfuls of candy <laughs> just to keep my blood sugar up. I'm flying first class, so I'm thinking, like, just get to the airport. There's going to be a lounge. Yeah. They'll have coffee at the lounge. You'll make it. Yeah. It's funny how you start thinking about in these moments when you have nothing. You have you, to be, yeah. you have to plan, like, yeah. every step. Absolutely. And you're, and that's another reason also why a lot of times if you do have uh, lofty ideas or some kind of artistic uh, purpose, if you do not have funds coming in, it's almost impossible to achieve them because it's, it's that, what's that, Maslow's uh, thing of the pyramid of need, uh, right? Uh, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. it's like on the baseline. Yeah. You're just thinking hour to hour yeah about getting food yeah. getting shelter yeah and it's only until you have the sort of the the comfort of the luxury of yeah. having those needs met yeah that you can focus on the other yeah. thing so it's remarkable that you were able to do that no i mean this midst. day this one day was so crazy because it was like nothing like nothing down to nothing not a penny yeah into a mercedes yeah like surviving on candy yeah getting to the airport getting a coffee, getting off the plane, getting into another like chauffeured limousine. Did they have food on the plane? Uh, yeah, I, th- I had, I got something to eat on the okay. plane. I think something, anything. Any- <laughs> and then, um, and I got coffee. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And then, you know, I get off the first class flight into the chauffeured car yeah. that takes me directly to the design studio. Right. And then I come in and it's the stylist that I love. And sure enough, my nightmare is happening. I go in and I was a size 50 or 52. 
because I'd been doing tons of weight training to have like this amazing body sure. for the persona. And also, did you focus on that a lot when you had nothing because it's something to keep I you still, centered? Yes, that helped a lot. Uh-huh. Exercise and like tra- training kept me mentally, I would say the combination of like the physical and the spiritual yeah. kept me grounded. Yeah. And so, yes, and, and I had amazing people in New York because I know trainers and I know everyone that has gyms. And so everyone was very generous and they all knew that I had this very clear idea. And so people donated their time, donated their gyms wow. and really yeah. helped me make my body, right. you know, look as best as possible. Yeah. When it was like I could have never afforded paying sure. for that body. Right. But they believed in the idea. Right. Because I was going to um, ask if there was a gym membership or something. No, like that. I had a friend who had a private gym. And so I had a private trainer. And the trainer killed me mm-hmm. like four or five days a week. It was the most brutal, amazing experience. How long each day would it be? Oh, my God. I mean, I would be dying after 45 minutes. Okay. But it was that intense? It yeah. was so intense. This The trainer that I worked with was a trainer for uh, football players at Penn State. And they ate a little bit more than you were eating at the time. Oh, well, I mean, I was eating. Somehow, I always got found the food in New York. Okay. But then it was like once I ended up in Paris, that was when it was like I really was like alone. Oh, I see. Right. Had you less. didn't have your network, really. Yeah, I had yeah. lost my network. And I was basically like alone in Paris just with a fur coat. Well, at least know? the food isn't good here, right? So you wouldn't be well. Uh, you're, you know what? Here it's like I mean, if you it's you, you can always get a baguette. Yeah. For a dot, you know, a euro twenty five. Sure. And you I was, can I was always. Re- I was stunned at how cheap the cheese was at the shop that I went to. Exactly. Was so, I mean, you gorgeous. can go to the grocery store here and buy a bag of groceries that'll last you for a week, and it's like twenty euros. I, yeah, I couldn't believe the prices. Yeah. It's like you can buy like a dozen eggs, some rice, some butter, some milk, some bread. You know, you're just little, the basics. Yeah. And it's like you can do that for 15 to 20 euros. You're a little bit better off than if you're just near a Gelson's in L.A. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So you're at the... Where am I? We were at the fashion show. You see this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this magical day. Yeah. That was like also kind of how the extreme... uh, um, Back and forth. What's the word I want? This extreme sort of deprivation. Oh, okay. Made the... um, the the flood of the flood of um, uh, of um, uh, materials no no the it's of, like the the deprivation and the and then the uh, saturation man the, well, not sounds, sounds the, uh, not success success is not the word but it's like deprivation and then fulfillment the, it's uh, almost like fasting and then oh sure and then like gorging or something yeah, yeah it's like it, a, the, with the fasting and then the gorge it whatever yeah, you get the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. was so crazy. Feasting. Feasting. Fast. Feasting. Yeah, it's like feast or famine. Okay. Literally. Yeah. So the famine I went through into the feasting that yeah. happened within this one weekend, which is the weekend that I met Violet, oh, was wow. beyond. Okay. okay. So this morning I get up, I have nothing. I get in a Mercedes. I'm surviving on candy. I get on the flight. <laughs> I get all the thing. I get there. They have the suits for me at the suiting brand, yeah. which are like exactly what I was afraid of, like really square, really boring. Sure. And we start putting the clothes on and nothing fits oh, God. because I have been so hungry. Oh, right. I have lost so much weight. Right. I have dropped two sizes. So you dropped two I sizes. I dropped from a 50, 52. I was a 52 because I had big shoulders and kind yeah. of a 50 in the waist. Yeah. I dropped from a 50 to 52 to a 48 <sighs> on the jacket and 46. Oh, wow. So it was like major. Massive difference. And I had weighed up maybe like around 190 pounds. And when I laid my, weighed myself in Milan, I was 168. 
That's so I had dropped about 20 pounds in a month. And you were still training this whole time, too. Hell no, I wasn't training. I was just, I was starving. Oh, okay. Sorry. I couldn't exert energy. I couldn't exert any energy. Because I thought you were doing that, and I thought that's madness. Yeah. No, no, no. I, the training, once I hit Paris. Never mind. Okay. So my mistake. Yeah. So now you're. So anyway, this day I go, and the stylist freaks out, and she's like, Casey, your sample size. And I was like, what? And all of a sudden, it was like the clothes started to come in. Like the clothes were amazing. You know, it was like all the good clothes came in. (laughs) So then it was like beautiful clothes, tailored, blah, 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 dressed, head to toe, expensive, gorgeous, everything done. Buffet luncheon. Sure. Meow, meow, meow. Scavenging (laughs) my, just like stuffing my face in the corner. Yeah. Getting tailored, you know, like assistants all over me. Get in the car, go check in to the five-star hotel with all incidentals covered. Wow. Yeah. That's and my pretty sweet <laughs> bitch. And everyone was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm not leaving this hotel. And like moved in, ordered room service. And then there was like an Italian porn star who'd been flirting with me. Oh, wow. And I was like, honey, get up, get over here. So the Italian porn star came in the next day for the weekend. The Italian porn star sounds better than it was because oh, really? basically had erectile dif- dysfunction because oh, no. he was so intimidated oh, because okay. of my persona. Oh, okay. So sure, we sure. ended up not having great sex oh. because he was nervous. That's sad. But, I mean, a little blip, a little blemish. He looked cute. It was cute. Okay, so that was, you had that. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun to like, you had some and fun. it was obvious what was going on. Uh-huh. Like when I went to Marquesa and it's like, I'm sitting there with this guy <laughs> that I've dressed and everyone's like, okay, what's this trade that Casey's with? And you're talking about the image thing. I mean, what could be better than this whole... Right? It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, did that and then... So anyway, that's just an example. But the crazy thing was... You know, I got paid from that gig and my agent was really cool. And they were like, look, and I was just like, listen, I'm like, I really need the money. And my agent was like, cool. And they're like, you know what? I'll advance you the fee, blah, blah, blah. Let me transfer it to your bank account. They transferred it to my account and my bank account was dissolved that day. So then I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And I was with Violet and I said, listen, she went, and my agent was like, look, let me just Venmo the money to somebody and then they can just give you the cash. Right. I was like, okay. So my agent Venmoed my fee from the show to Violet <laughs> and Violet basically became my bank, which was, let me tell you, never have a drag queen be your ATM. Really? Because what happens? Because it was so complicated and emotional and weird. She <laughs> would never give me my money. She would leave me fucking stranded anywhere because she was um, just because she's looking a bitch. out for you or no, because, yeah. oh, yeah. well, she thinks that she wanted to manage my I mean. money, but yeah. I was like, honey, like, I don't know how I'm going to get home. And she was yeah. like, literally like leaving me at galas, you know, stepping into her Uber, <laughs> like slamming the door and saying, you'll figure it out. Wow. A little tough love. Uh, I don't know if I would call that love. Misplaced. It was a bitch. Uh, okay. So just tough. Yeah. I mean, like for instance, when I was, she was about, we were about to separate uh, during the season. and she had she had been sent three thousand dollars yeah and she would give me like 80 (laughs) 120 250 (laughs) and i was like bitch just give me my damn money and she was like well i have a limit on my card and i can't i don't want my card to be frozen and And then we're trying to keep up with the math and then she's buying the meals and then we're deducting the meals and it was just like crazy and then we finally get to the end of the end of the end of the fashion season she's going one way i'm going the other and I'm like, okay, you know, you owe me, like, I need that last 500 euros. Uh-huh. 
And we go um, fucking panty shopping in Pigalle <laughs> and bitch buys like a bunch of dead stock thongs and spends 500 euros. And yeah. then I'm like, hey, let's go to the ATM. And she's like, oh shit, I think I hit my limit. <laughs> and I was like, honey, I don't have a bank account. How do you think I'm gonna get my money? You have everything. You just spent everything on motherfucking thongs in Pigalle. <laughs> but they're it's like, dead bitch, stock. we're going to the ATM. <laughs> and at one point I was so crazy. I, I, what was it? I walked into a church and I asked them if they had an ATM <laughs> that I thought I thought it was a hotel. It was crazy. Well, so anyway, yeah. I got my money. We're fine. Okay. Yeah. And then eventually, the craziest story was I didn't have my phone, and I got back to New York, and I got some money. I was like, okay, I can pay my phone bill. I can turn my phone back on. I got an apartment. Like slowly, I started to pull myself out of this like deep, deep hole. But the other problem with that stuff is, yeah, sometimes you can get a chunk of money, but then you have all this outstanding debt. And it well, can I still like, have debts well, that I'm no, but chipping I, away at. It, true, but I'm talking about the more immediate, the phone, the apartment, yeah. because sometimes you can be like, great, I have this money, and then boom, you're mm. at zero again. For sure. But listen to this. This is the craziest thing that ever happened, ever. <laughs> and this is what I mean. I, I don't know if it's my tenacity. I don't know if it's magic. I don't know what the deal is. Sure. But basically, hey, who is? Hey, I'm Craig. Oh, really? Interesting. How's Hello. it going? I'm Craig. What's your names? Yim. Yim? And, and, and Jamuka, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. That's the person that I fired off the TV show. Really? Yes. Wow. So that's an exclusive for the... Can that stay so, in there? Yeah. So okay, I can't so, believe you just... Well, you actually heard. This is... A lot of firsts are happening today. Uh, so anyway, th- I'll tell the story quickly. I'm starving, though. I haven't Well, listen, lunch. listen. Why don't we get some food and then we can resume? How about no, that? No, I have to tell you this one. It's really good. Okay. This, is, just, the, this is the this craziest thing that this ever one, happened. This is one of the things that like... So the craziest thing that ever happened... Then no, we get not food. this is one of the craziest things, but this is like an amazing thing that happened. Okay, okay. Is that I get back to New York. It's April. The album is released in February. You know, everything's going good. I'm doing shows. I'm making money again. And I go to the T-Mobile store to pay my phone bill. Yeah. It's like $700, you know, whatever. They froze in my phone. I go, I pay the bill. It's all automated and weird and I can't figure it out. And then my phone isn't turning back on. And I talk to this guy and he has to call someone and then we're on hold. And it's just like a mess. It's like a, that bureaucratic phone call, customer service, hellhole bullshit. Endless amount of time. Yeah. And like people are giving you conflicting information and it went on and on and on. And I basically was like in the T-Mobile store in Times Square for two hours. That can also really, uh, damage your spirit too because you start thinking this is because i didn't have money now this is what ha-, you know and then your whole day is tied up yeah, in this kind of bullshit exactly yeah and so i leave and the guy's like listen he's like i'm really sorry but because your phone was cut off for so long you know you can't have your number what he's like you've lost your phone number oh god and you're gonna have to start a new account and you have to just start over Ugh. and i was like i just paid everything and blah 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 yeah. he's like doesn't matter it's all been dissolved and that was my phone number for like 20 years. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Yeah. I mean, like if that number's gone, oh. I mean, I mean, it's like, I've lost the relationship. I've lost the house. I've lost the cats. <laughs> I've barely survived to make the record. It's like, yeah. I've lost everything. I've lost 
You know, even my New York apartment, I left and I never came back and I put everything in storage in the Bronx. Okay. So it's like I'm literally in Paris with like one pair of jeans, one pair of shoes and one like amazing fur coat. Yeah. Which is the only way I survived is because Parisians are impressed by that kind of bourgeois bullshit. <laughs> and that's the only way I survived. So you could swan was, into and I Which and... I felt guilty about fur for a long time, well, except for that one fur coat. Yeah. And I honestly started to think about how those animals wanted me to live. Because I was like, these animals love me and yeah. they want me to live and I can have this coat because it's it's getting me in the door. It's taking care and of And it was keeping me alive. Yeah. Like I slept with that coat like on the floor, uh -huh. you know. Sure. It was like, so anyway. It was a good multi I had nothing yeah. and then I have something and then I go and I'm going to the phone. Uh, so I give up. So I'm like, I have to let go. Yeah. I'm like, I have to let go There's of something else. Done. Yeah. I'm like, I have to let go of the phone. I've had to let go of so much, you know. I'm, I'm okay. I can let go of another thing and I'll be fine. Yeah. So, and I was like, and fuck T-Mobile. I don't want them anyway. AT&T is better for international. <laughs> and so I went to AT&T to get a new phone. Yeah. And I went and, you know, picked out the phone and whatever. And it was in Hell's Kitchen and there was this really sweet guy that helped me. And so we picked out the phone and blah, 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 and set up the plan and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then he was like, okay, well, your new number is... And I just hated the new number. Oh, really? And I was like, ugh. <laughs> I was like, really? I was like, well, can I at least get a 917? Okay. And he was like, okay, well, here, let me just pull some 917s. And I was like, okay. And then I said, well, can I get some 917s? And then like the first three digits of my old number. So oh, it's kind of close. Sure. Just so it feels familiar. Yeah. And he was like, sure. And so then he started going through. And then he, and I was like, well, all right, let's just make it as close to the old number as possible. So like, let's make the four digits. So we got the first three, then we got the next three. And then I was like, well, let's choose four digits that are close to the old number. Uh -huh. And he was like, okay. And so we started going through and he started reading the numbers. And then I was like, don't read them. Just let me look at the screen. And so we started going down. I just started looking and clicking through the screen yeah. through the last four digits that were similar to my old sure. number. My old fucking phone number came up. That's insane. That never happens. The exact, the exact same number. You got your old number. Phone number was sitting because they had told me someone else has your number. Okay. And I was like, that's not possible. I'm still using that number on WhatsApp. Oh, okay. So sure. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I clicked through yeah. the motherfucking universe, <laughs> found my number yeah. sitting dormant yeah. on some database. It, right. Right. You got I, And the guy was like, well, you're going to have to pay $14 if you want a specific number. And I was like, bitch, I just found my fucking phone number in outer space. I was like, I will pay $14. Yeah, that's fine. 28 actually. And so yeah. that for me, some reason, like, and even every time I use my phone and uh -huh. every time I have that phone number, that's like, bitch, like you can, there is a way. Yes. There is a way. Just keep yes. going. Yeah. Like when you think there's not a way and everyone tells you no and you're like, someone else has it. It's gone. It's over. It's defunct. It's default. There's nothing dissolved. that can be done. Nothing can yeah. be done. Nothing. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Bitch, don't give up. It's there. I love my country. And I love your country too. My name is Casey Spooner and I'm running for president. <laughs>